Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. For home service business owners who are looking to dominate their market and see more profit, more freedom, and more impact from their services. Hey, I'm your host, Ryan Davis, CEO and founder at Service Legend and Cardinal Concrete Coating. Each episode, I'll be interviewing home service legends, industry experts, coaches, consultants, software companies, and a whole lot more. See you guys on the podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Service Legend Podcast. I have a real treat for you guys today. Uh, the most exciting and attractive topic that I know every painting contractor, concrete coating business owner, or home service business owner loves to talk about. Um, but I have an expert to make it less um, complicated today. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yes. Um, I'll, you know, I was chatting with you slightly um, before we got online here. That I've been following your content around, um, I would say for you know about eight months or so for me personally, um, where where you know, I saw you just really coming online, um, and then your content just keeps getting better, is what I noticed. Like it just keeps getting better and better, and um, you know, obviously, um, I think you and I both see and understand. There's a lot of content online these days about any subject that you want to get into, and there's like levels to the people that are putting out the content. And mm -hmm. I feel like you can just tell that you're putting quality effort, energy, um, into the content. Um, and, um, for those of you that don't know Daniel, um, he's a seasoned accountant automation specialist, which I, I love that piece of having like that level of marketing IQ into the financial side. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, and former, former painting business owner. Uh, with a background that includes military intelligence and an MBA, Daniel brings a unique perspective to help painting contractors thrive. Um, let's get ready for some invaluable insights from a true expert in the field. Um, that's our version of you. Um, but uh, if you could just give us some context, maybe a little bit of an origin story. Um, it's an interesting one that I'm looking forward to hearing. Um, and then kind of maybe you can bring us up to the present moment. Absolutely. So I started painting on my dad's job site, he, he was a painting business owner back in high school. And so I was doing, you know, just basic painting throughout the summers, working for him, went to college for accounting. And during that period, I did the college works painting internship hmm. where they basically give you some tools and you go out and you do cold calling marketing and you in sales and you, you book up your summers and you do production during the summer. So I did that internship during my freshman year in college. And then I graduated with my degree in accounting. I ended up going into the military for a while, military intelligence, did several, several deployments. I uh, ended up running another painting business in a different location uh, for a little bit. And then, um, and I also started bookkeeping for painters back in 2016. I wanted to use my degree, but I also wanted to uh, help folks that I could feel, feel like I could help them the most, which, since I had experience in the painting industry, I was like, well, that might be a good fit. So I started bookkeeping for painters. And so, uh, you know, that was back in 2016. And right now we serve about 160 painting businesses across the U S and Canada. I love the, the military, um, aspect. My, my older brother was, uh, in the air force in, um, in intelligence. Um, and, uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, could you expand on that a little bit? Um, kind of, you know, I'm not sure yeah. if it's classified or not, but just that experience <laughs> yeah. in the military. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is, it's, it's a cool thing to say. I'm a uh, cool thing to say for sure. People perks, people's interests <laughs> um, in practice, you know, there's a lot of waiting in lines, military for folks that have been in the military. It's, it can be boring at times, but there's some cool things in there for sure. So my job as a military intelligence officer was to, well, towards the end, I was a tactical intelligence officer. So I was trying to paint the picture of the battlefield for my commander so as a as a brigade intelligence officer towards the latter half of my career um you know the, my brigade commander was a uh 
um, basically a military commander in charge of thousands of folks on the battlefield, right? With tanks and Bradleys, uh, we're armored brigade combat team. And so, you know, he looked to me to basically paint the picture of where the bad guys are, uh, what are the threats. So I had to paint that picture for him so he can make decisions uh, to, to, you know, meet his objective. So it's it it kind of similar to business, you know, with the finance side of things as the CFO or, or chief financial officer, mm -hmm. trying to paint that picture of what's happened, what, what could be some paths forward um, to help get that business owner to the next level. So there are some, um, you know, you're taking data and you're trying to paint that picture of where folks can go and, and avoid, avoid the threats and, and, and double down on the, the, the victories. So there's a little bit of, uh, you know, skill sets that are complementary. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. Did several deployments, got to go to uh national training center in California, which is always fun and, and, and fight, uh, you know, tank on tank battles with some opposing force. Um, so a lot of cool experiences, um, got to go to several different countries and, and check those places out. So yeah, it was a cool experience. And then I, I got out after 13 years. Um, it's hard on the family. I mean, really when they say, you know, the spouses are, you know, are, are the ones that are really making the sacrifice. They're not just paying lip, lip service to it because it really does, it really is, uh, hard on the family. So, um, after 13 years, I think it, I did uh, several deployments. And so I was just kind of like, all right, that's, that's good. I got a good amount of experience and had some fun times, but I think it's time to focus in on the family and try to focus on one thing instead of, you know, balancing, uh, cause I was, I was doing bookkeeping for painters and military cause I was in the a reservist national guard is hmm. national guard reservist. So doing deployments and also doing the uh, civilian side of things. So just focusing down on one thing, um, simplify life a little bit, having three kids, you know, kind of puts in some chaos. So, <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, very interesting, um, <clears throat> story of yours. Um, there's probably, I probably spend three hours going on some of your story. Um, number one, thank you for your service, um, to this thank amazing you for country. Man. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my older brother was in the military. My younger brother uh, was, um, so fully have uh, my own perspective from a sibling, you know, and, um, yeah, just, man, I love that. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and I like how you connected the dots, you know, and, you know, obviously it's your life, but you connect those dots really well on like the leadership aspect, the communication aspect, um, the forecasting aspect. Um, like, like I, I, I can see how that translates into the financials of a, of a home service business. I do think it's funny how you went from, um, Hey, this is pretty crazy. Um, I'm busy, uh, hard on the family. Boom. You go and be a business owner. You know, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's a similar world. Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious, um, um, if we dive into kind of, um, the accountant side, the CPA side, the, the financial side. Um, what, for those that don't know as well, like what is accounting? Like what is bookkeeping for, for a painting company? Like what is just the fundamentals of, of, of that? Sure. It's pretty broad. So just to how it applies to small businesses, you have bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is like your record keeping, you know, the, every transaction that occurs, we want to categorize it and put it into um, some rep reports, basically, so you can look at those reports to see how your business is doing. And so it's the transactional kind of piece to it, the record keeping, that's bookkeeping. And then accounting it can is, is pretty broad, but the way that applies to business owners is, you know, the tax piece of it. So you have tax preparation and tax planning. So tax preparation is doing the tax forms. Everyone hopefully has experienced that if you're, you know, a uh, business owner. So if you haven't experienced that, there's, <laughs> you might be in some trouble. Um, so tax planning is basically the prep, the prep work before you actually do the returns. And, and that can save you some money there um, by actually looking ahead because taxes as a business owner, you can actually impact how much you pay in taxes. It's not something yeah. that just happens to you. You can actually uh, impact how much you pay in taxes. So that's the tax planning piece of it. Um, and then the other part of what accountants do or can do for, uh, small business owners is, is kind of providing, uh, 
guidance on advisory, like looking at your interpreting your your records from the bookkeeping side of things and saying, okay, here's how you're doing. Here's what happened. Here's what might happen. Like do some forecasting. Here's some things that you should look at improving. How can you improve your profitability? How can you improve your cash flow? Those sort of things to help you make decisions to get you to the next level. Yeah, I like that breakdown. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you broke that down because I think um, th there's just so much misinformation out there of, of, of the fundamentals. Um, and I like what you, so you mentioned tax planning. Um, what I love about is, is, is the advisory services or, or, or kind of like strategy or, or guidance. Um, I've seen, you know, back, you know, even just maybe five years ago, let's just say five years ago. Um, I feel like in business, we are required to do a little bit more than we, than we used to, you know? And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, for those of you that are live or on the replay, if you guys could put a one in chat, if you've ever had a CPA or a bookkeeping company or person um, that it was like literally just that it was like, they only did that thing. And I've, I've seen that there's so much disconnect, you know, when like if, 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 if they're just doing that, if they don't have any input um, at all, like there's no like conversation there. Um, could you expand on that a little bit? Like how important you've seen maybe the guidance or the ad advisory aspect um, help the companies? Yeah, you're yeah you're exactly right with diagnosing the issue there with a lot of the accounting profession. I saw a survey of small business owners where they basically surveyed a bunch of small business owners like what is what are your top complaints with the accounting industry? And you know number one on the list I think was like getting guidance and advice, hmm. um, timeliness. You know, but yeah, providing that you know they they might do the work. Like they'll, they'll do the tax return or they'll do your bookkeeping, but then they don't really provide any kind of like, Hey, you should look, look out for this or, Hey, you know, take a look at these numbers because you need to make sure you do X, Y, Z. So there's not a lot of that. So, um, I, I, I completely agree with you there now in terms of, uh, what should you, what can you get from that? You know, um, you obviously getting your reports on a timely fashion. That's kind of, that should be one thing like, you know, reviewing your typical financial reports. So if we're talking about your profit and loss, your balance sheet, statement of cash flows, getting those is one thing. Hopefully you're getting those. Um, and then you can also get, uh, hopefully someone should be able to sit down and, and break those down if you can't read them on your own and basically say, okay, what does your profitability look like? What should you hit? Should you be hitting like based off your industry averages or based off your goals or both? And then looking at your cash flow. Like you can be profitable, which sounds weird, but you can actually be profitable in your business, but you may not, uh, you might have some cash flow issues where you, you, your bank balance is decreasing when it should be increasing. Um, so taking a look at what, what are those causes and, and helping you troubleshoot. Okay. Is it because we're not collecting fast enough from our customers or is it because we're paying our vendors too soon or is it both? Uh, so looking at diagnosing that, that kind of thing. Um, also looking at, different metrics like financial metrics as far as marketing return on investment um how able are you to uh pay off your debts in the short term or in the long term so many different things you can dig into your numbers to to get a sense of what's what's going on there with the with the um in your bookkeeping uh so that does that kind of address yeah. your, your question yeah 100 percent um do you feel like your 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 niche specific um into painters do you think like is that a like kind of a leg up or an advantage of using your service versus just bob bob harris uh cpa down the street local business um do you think that you guys have a leg up to be able to serve in a at a bigger level because it's not just like hey here's your bookkeeping uh good luck it's it you know it's you know it's cleaned up a little bit for you guys or what have yeah. you um, but you can actually make some, you know, some, you know, um, suggestions, right. Yeah. Or recommendations. Do you feel like that gives you guys a leg up? Absolutely. It's, uh, so just to give you a few examples, we work with, like I mentioned uh, about 160 painting businesses. So we do internal benchmarking, um, where we say, okay, uh, we'll pull profitability. It's one, we have the 160 painting businesses. We separate them by revenue group. So we put them in three different groups. 
under 500K, 500K to 1 million in revenue, and then 1, uh, 1 million and above. And then we pull out their their profit margins, you know, what their gross profit is, what their discretionary earnings, otherwise known as cash flow to owner. Um, so we get those metrics. So we do internal benchmarking. So we can say, hey, you are in the top 10% of uh, painting businesses for your revenue group based off of how well you're doing with your gross profit margin. Or oh, that's nice to know right yeah. there. <laughs> kind of where you where you're at. That'd yeah. Yeah. So, it, so we, we do that internal benchmarking so we can say, okay, cause you can pull industry averages from, there's some data sources out there. We'll just give you the average. So we obviously use that as well, where it's just like across the United States, painting business owners have an average gross profit of 40%, for example, but then we can, we do the internal benchmarking to say, okay, but if you want to be in the top 10, 15%, you should hit, you should aim to hit 50% or 55%, whatever it is for your revenue group. Um, so that, that helps uh, kind of establish folks what their goals are. Um, and then also gives them a better idea of where they stand compared to their peers. And uh, so that's one piece. And then just, we know, we know the, since we're working with the same, types of painting business owners over and over and over again. So it's the same problem sets really. So we're able to share the best practices across, uh, across the industry. So, um, just to throw out another example, like for cash flow, um, ways to improve cash flow would be to increase the, uh, or to get paid faster, right? You want to get paid faster and then you want to delay expenses going out. So the whole game with cash flow is to, uh, is a timing thing. Hmm. Um, profit, not not including profitability. Obviously, profitability can improve your cash flow, but excluding profitability, just looking at what you can do outside of profitability, is kind of a timing thing. So you want to get paid faster and delay expenses going out. So for the painting industry, you know, uh, just we know from working with hundreds of painting businesses that charging a deposit between twenty five percent and fifty percent is you can definitely do that. So you know one improvement that we can make pretty easily is if a, a painting business owner is, is having issues with cash flow and they're not taking a deposit or they're taking a very small deposit, uh, we can recommend, okay, definitely recommend you increase your deposit so you can get that cash in quicker. And that should help relieve, uh, relieve your, um, some of your cash flow issues or on the other side of the expense side of things, you know, if, uh, cash going out, um, you know, setting up your, your Sherwin Williams, uh, credit line, making sure you have that credit line available so you can put your materials on credit to uh, keep hold of your cash longer and that will give you more time to collect from your customers um you know it's just we we kind of we already know the what what folks are using and and how to kind of game your financials to 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 make sure that you're you're getting ahead and getting to the next level yeah i love that breakdown man um is there um, just a couple of questions? I was, you know, I was kind of curious. Uh, that's great, right there for cash flow. Is, is um, what do you? What are some some numbers if you don't mind sharing? But um, and obviously, you know, this is a good podcast. But um, nothing better than probably contacting you to direct directly to you know if you are a painting business owner, I you know I'd recommend contacting um, bookkeeping for painters directly because they probably answer these questions a little bit more in depth. But um, what should a painting business owner aim for gross profit or, um, you know, and things yeah. like that for estimates? Yeah. So for gross profit, just to define it first. So we, you know, we're talking the same language. Uh, basically gross profit is what's left over after you pay for job site materials and job site labor. So that's what's gross profit is. So the, if you look at the average, the average is 40% gross profit. So if you had a $10,000 job, after you pay for your direct materials and your direct labor, there should be $4,000 left over to cover your overhead costs and your, and your discretionary earnings or um, earnings to the owner. And then the uh, internal benchmarking, um, what, what that has shown like for a, a business between 500 and, and 1 million, let's say. So uh, a business owner that's between 500K and 1 million, they're probably doing um sales 
still they're, they're doing production management and then they're the business owner and they have crews mm -hmm. that are working on the job site typically. Uh, so for gross profit for that size business, um, the, the top, uh, I think it's the top 15% are getting around 50% gross profit. So if you want to mm -hmm. be in the top 15% or so you want to have gross profit of 50% or higher. So that's, that's just a, uh, an example. And, and mm -hmm. as you go as for the $1 million businesses, they're a little bit higher, generally gross profit. Cause as folks get uh, get bigger, you know, a, a 1 million business, a $1 million business compared to like a $3 million business, their sales um, process is usually a little bit stronger. They're able to command better, um, higher prices basically. Cause they have more, you know, it's a difference between we have 10,000 Google reviews versus a hundred Google reviews. You can, you have more proof to mm -hmm. demand higher prices and you probably have a pretty strong sales process. So they typically have a higher gross profit. So, you know, that, you know, folks that are doing 10 million plus are hitting gross profit of like 60% or 65% gross profit. So, um, but if you're just starting out trying to go above average, we would recommend, you know, over 40%. And then, and then as you get bigger, kind of eventually try to hit that Holy grail of like over 65%, but that might yeah. take a little bit of time. Yeah. A little bit of time to kind of, you know, it's like walk before you run, right. Um, um, walk before you run or, 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 um, crawl before you ball, you know, you know, yeah. you know, if you're a gangster, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. um, <laughs> But uh, no, it makes total sense. So kind of like the minimum, you know, 40% gross margins, minimum. Um, and I imagine like if you're doing less than that, like if somebody's listening live or on the replay or on Apple, Spotify, um, and they're doing less than that, like, should they just start charging more? Like, what do you think? Yeah. Generally, usually the answer is yes. They could probably need to start charging more. That's usually the problem. Of course, it could be something else. So it's either you're char not charging enough or you're just really inefficient on the job site. Mm. It could be a mixture of both, of course. Mm -hmm. But usually when folks are just getting started, they don't realize what they need to charge. They don't have a, a pricing system down. Uh, usually recommend production rates to generate your your, your price. Um, and, and so they're, you know, kind of the rule of thumb getting started, getting started is is to charge your, your, your customers twice what it costs you to, to do the work. Right. So if it, it's going to cost you $5,000 to pay the painters and to pay for the materials, then you know, you need to charge the customer $10,000. So that's a hundred percent markup. And that hundred percent markup is going to give you a 50% gross profit margin. Um, so that would be, that's usually the advice that we end up giving. It could be that your efficiency is not, maybe you're, crews are working really slow and you're just busting the budgets. Um, that could be a, an issue. And so to kind of dig into that, you would need to do some job costing where you're basically tracking the gross profit on each individual job where, you know, okay, this is how much we had in revenue on this job. This, these were the materials and, and this is the uh, labor that we had on this job. And we know on this specific job, we had a 45% gross profit margin or whatever. And then, so if you're tracking that individually, that gross profit individually for each job, then that can start to inform maybe a, a, a particular crew is slower. Mm. Maybe they're busting budgets more than the other crew. And that can maybe, maybe it is an efficiency thing. Uh, but yeah. usually starting out, it's, it's pricing. Yeah. I like how you break that down though. It makes total sense. Um, and um, yeah, like the pricing one would probably be pretty straightforward. And, and going into like the job costing as well, um, you know, obviously it's December 5th, um, you know, we're shooting this live. Um, how important is it to job cost from a financial perspective in general, but also like end of year right now? I mean, you know, what a great time to look back through the year, all of our jobs, did we charge the right amount? We make our profit and not not kind of make those same mistakes, if you will, um, or repeat the same cycles going into next year. Like how important is that, you know, maybe right now you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it can definitely give you some good insights on to what's, what the issues are in your business. You know, the, the, the first thing 
if you don't have overall your overall gross profit, if you don't know that, I would I would do that first, just so you know overall mm -hmm. how are you doing. If you identify, okay, it's my gross profit is lower than what I want it to be. Maybe it's thirty five or forty percent or whatever it is. Um, then start doing the job costing to see, so you know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, so for example, if you're your gross profit overall is 45% on average, but you want to get 50% gross profit. So you start doing job costing to identify jobs that are under uh, your, your goal of 50% or under 45%. Um, and you start looking at those more closely, just like, okay, was it a pricing issue? Um, and, and hopefully you're doing this. It helps to do it. I mean, doing it at the end of the year, it, it when you have some extra time on your hands can be, it's still useful, but Ideally, you're doing it soon after the job, so you can go to your your team and say, "Hey, um, we went under went over budget on this job. So what happened?" So, doing an after action review with each job that that did either really well or really bad, so you can kind of understand, you know, is it a process thing? Like, did we skip something on the process? Do we need to change our process? Do we need to change our pricing structure? you know, whatever, identifying those problems so that you can change your, your, your system as you go, instead of trying to remember, sometimes it's, you know, it's tough for, you did a hundred jobs over the years, how to remember what 50 jobs ago, what happened. Uh, so, you know, doing it in a timely manner might, might help you and your team identify those issues, um, quicker. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, keep it on the same topic of like end of year a little bit. Um, what are some things that a painting contractor should be doing end of year um, before going into next year? Yeah. So uh, first would, would be basics would be making sure you have your books together, meaning you have some records for the year so that you can do some a tax return off of it. Uh, and, and then that also helps you plan for the next year. If you know, okay, we hit, you know, 500,000 in revenue or a million in revenue. And we had a gross profit of X amount. And I had discretionary earnings or cash flow to owner of uh, 20% going to me overall for the last year. Having that information is, is helpful for the next year planning. It, um, so, you know, okay, this is how we did last year. Now going next year, I want to accomplish this. And so you'll be able to develop more reasonable goals when you kind of know what happened the previous year. Um, so for, uh, it, the, the, so it can also help you drive your budget too for, for, for the next year. So your budget, you know, if you did 500,000 next this past year, maybe you're going to shoot for 750 in revenue, uh, this year. And then, and then you can also establish what your gross profit, you know, target would be if you're going to go for 50% or whatever, but then you also get into your overhead costs and you can budget, what do you need to run your business? Um, and so your overhead costs are basically anything that's not specific to the job site. So this is like insurance software, um, your bookkeeping and accounting costs, the, all those things are not job site related and you can budget, uh, based off what you paid. You can take a look at last year's, see what, what you paid, um, identify, what you actually need to run your business and then help develop that budget for the, the coming year. Um, so those are some things you can do is basically to, to wrap it up is get your, get your numbers, your books in line for your tax return. Also get your numbers so you can help inform your, your planning for next year and then also help drive that budget for the next year. Yeah, man. And, and, um, you know, I'm kind of curious. Uh, so, when you hear a company say, um, Hey, I'm going to double my business next year. So like, you know, um, I've, you know, I've got, I'm going to do $3 million this year. I want to do $6 million next year. Like hmm. from a accountant perspective, like what do you think about when you, when you hear companies say that? I mean, it's, it's, it's great to have the, the enthusiasm and the, the, the feelings to, you know, the excitement and, um, wanting to accomplish things is, is awesome. Um, 
you just having the plan to back it up is probably the best you know thing to kind of focus on okay great now we need to identify how, all the inputs that get it that gets you to six thousand or six million so you know that goes down to your 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 sales budget so like your your how many leads are coming in um how much does it cost to get each lead which is your your cost of acquisition um you know what's your close rate to you know how many estimates you need to do to get is that much closed work? What's your average job size? Um, so you kind of have to work backwards to figure out, okay, how much marketing and sales do I need to do to accomplish 6 million in sales? And then once you have your sales budget, then you can start working on your, your production budget, which is basically, do I have enough crews to support 6 million in production? How many crews am I going to need? Do I need to hire another production manager to, to manage those, those jobs? And so, once you get your sales budget, then you work on your, your production budget to say, okay, how do we fulfill all this stuff that we're going to have to produce? And now we're going to hit 6 million. Um, so yeah, so basically is, is filling in the details. If you have that goal, start with your sales budget, then start working on your production budget to figure out how you're going to hit those goals. So it's possible. It's possible to double a business. Oh like yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's possible. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of work for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked that one because, you know, I don't, I just see that a lot, right. Where it's like, um, and I think it's just a little bit of people. Well, you know, I think, I think from a sales and marketing perspective, it's like, you know, it sounds doable. Um, if someone's doing really good at sales or whatever, um, I just think a lot of companies forget about, you know, the ask, like the labor aspect and the training and it's, it's, you know, it's not just, um, you know, spending more money on marketing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's so much that goes into it, but I like, I like, I think you hit the nail on the head is what I was looking for is like going back to the planning side of it and the budgeting and the forecasting and having an actual plan in place. Um, because I think what I've seen a lot of times too, is like the financial like side of the business and then the decision-making on, um, labor or, um, marketing. It's like, they're almost like not making the decisions in alignment with, cash flow with the finances, but there's maybe spending more on labor than they should or not enough. Like there's just not like there's a disconnect. Um, do you have any tips or tricks on how to keep those things in alignment? Like, like actual growth and, and like, and like practical reality as well. So let's see if I understand like some tips to, to make sure that the alignment between what you're what you're targeting and what you, what actually happens, how to yeah. keep that in line. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. what can actually happen in reality versus like, like from your fun, like from your finances, from the bank account, what's going on versus like, you know, Hey, I think I can sell like, you know, I, I can market and sell this, you know, this amount more, but like, um, I just see a lot of disconnect on like that. And then the actual reality of, of like mm -hmm. the finances, you know? Yeah. So they, they, they can, yeah. So they feel like they can sell it, but they can't produce it kind of thing or. Yeah. Like it's almost like, uh, like Daniel, it's like, um, it's almost like imagine having like a CFO is kind of how I picture it. Like, like having a CFO and then like the operations manager, the sales manager, the marketing manager mm. are not in alignment with their finances, you know, okay. but like you have like operations, like hiring people or marketing and selling without like the planning forecasting of like of the actual finances like you know are those things in alignment it's almost like mm -hmm. they're just making decisions on two different islands sometimes yeah. you know yeah 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 i think that gets into the the budgeting thing we we talked talked about so help you know you you have your your vision you know your objectives that you establish at the top and kind of like hey here's where we want to go and then you you develop your sales budget which is like we want to hit six million, six million in sales. We need to have X amount of uh, sales consultants or estimators, and we need to get this much in leads. Um, you know, so we do all the work there, and then then we pass it the, the that budget like to the production uh, side. So your production managers or your operations manager, whoever helps develop. Okay, how are we going to fulfill all this uh, all the sales? So they develop their budget. Um, for the next year. And then, you know, 
so, so that everyone's on the same page, at least going into it. Now, obviously, as soon as the year starts, you know, uh, it's all going to go out the windows for, as far as the planning, but you at least have some sort of framework and then you can adjust the budget as you, as you go forward. Like, okay, well, obviously since we didn't sell as much, we don't need to hire as many crews or whatever the, the changes are going to be, but you have a baseline. How do they of, get like, so like, how do they get on? Like, how do you get those things in alignment? Like, 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 is it, is it a weekly meeting? Like a, mm. like a, like an L10 meeting? Like, yeah. um, when those things happen, right. Where it's like, okay, like we're selling a ton, but like, man, like, I don't know if we can afford to like hire another crew, like, you know, all those things. Like, how do you, how do you actually stay in alignment? Like, is it, is it an L10 meeting every week? Is it a financial meeting twice a month? Like, is there any mm -hmm. tips or tricks there? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, traction. I mean, it sounds like you are as well. So, yeah. you know, the, the traction recommends those, those weekly meetings where you're, you have your CFO, your, your CMO, your COO, you know, working through those issues and identify, discussing and solving those issues. Um, and you have your scorecard measurables, which are telling you, are you, you are, are you doing the actions that you need to do to accomplish the goals that were set, you know, in the, the previous uh, quarter meeting or the annual meeting, whatever it is. And, and so you should be, you know, seeing if things are on track or off track. So, yeah, I think traction is a great uh, system that, you know, I, I definitely, like using in my own business and then um, recommend to others for sure. Um, and I think that, you know, doing those annual meetings and those quarterly meetings to kind of adjust things as you, as you go, and then making sure those weekly meetings are keeping you on track on, in terms of, you know, those, those quarterly goals. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's as far as from my perspective, what I've seen work um, in my own business and in other folks' businesses doing something like that is, is like invaluable. Yeah. And I wanted to drill down on that, you know, a little bit because, you know, a lot of the companies, let's say there's not a CFO, there's not a COO. It's like the owner and maybe like one or two key team members. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, in a small, you know, as a small business owner, you're all, all of those different, you know, executives, right. In the business. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't have somebody to meet with, it's like, still put that down on your calendar, on your schedule, you know, where, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's an L10 by yourself, you know, or, or yeah. an annual budget meeting by yourself, like, um, be consistent in that because that's where you're going to get alignment with all of those things. And I just see so many different small business owners where like, you know, um, and I've been guilty of this early on too, where it's like, um, and I'm thinking about growing, right. And, and you have some budgets set aside, but like, oh shoot, I hired too many people, you know, cause I thought mm -hmm. I needed this person. It didn't align with the budgets. I didn't go back and check. And oh my gosh, like now I have two people that have decent salaries that, you know, now I'm paying an extra eight grand a month in, in salaries where I'm like, you know, was the, were those hires, the right hires at that time that are in alignment with our goals this year? And I mm -hmm. feel like, um, I like what you're saying too, is, is it all starts with that budget, you know, and we, we budget everything and we meet and then we make decisions. Um, and we don't make our decisions like we did when we first started as, a, as, as business owners, we make them more calculated, more proactive, you know, they're more detailed. Um, and there's a plan. Um, I really love that aspect. You've mentioned it so many different times around having a plan. I think back to your military days, you know, I imagine, you know, it's tough to, to be in the military, you know, in the military or be on the battlefield at all, at any level and not have a, have a plan in place. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the military is all about planning all the time. We call it the, the military decision-making process. So a very painful process of, of, and meticulous of, uh, of planning everything we do. So yeah, it's, pretty ingrained, uh, in me, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, what about, is there any, um, ninja tax saving strategies that you could drop some bombs on for us? Like, like, you know, maybe hire your three-year-old as your office assistant, yeah. you know, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there definitely is. I mean, um, and don't share all yeah. of them, right? Because, yeah. you know, no, no, no. there is a business here. So just to give us a few, maybe, maybe one or two. Yeah, no, I, I have no issues sharing. Like if you follow me on social media, um, no issues sharing now. So yeah, for tax, for tax strategies, there's like, there's many out there and, and they could work for you or may not work for you depending on your personal situation. But um, just some cool ones that folks have used uh, that we work with, um, like you mentioned is the, is hiring your kids. So you have to abide by labor laws still. 
usually age seven is like where you can actually start hiring your your kids to to work for you. I have a six-year-old um, girl, so yeah, I, I so, can't wait. Yeah, I have a six-year-old uh, as well, so I'm oh, you know, counting down the days. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so you got to abide by labor laws, and then uh, you can pay them to do things that you would pay someone else to do. So obviously, you know, you can't hire your seven-year-old to be your your CFO. That wouldn't hold up against IRS, but you might be able to hire them to, um, you know, depending on their handwriting skills, maybe you can write some envelopes or do at least some, put some stamps on some envelopes, uh, clean up the office. Um, maybe at some point, you know, doing some sort of social media, if your kid's, you know, a little bit older and good at social media or do some door knocking, you know, whatever the things are, office, office work, whatever makes sense for their age group. And uh, so you would hire them in your business. So um, whether, you know, whatever type of entity you have, you would hire them, put them on payroll. And so what this does is you would pay, let's say you pay them uh, $13,000 or less over the course of the year for doing legitimate work that you would pay someone else the same amount of money to do. So we're not, I'm not saying like just pay them $13,000 and not have them do anything, pay them uh, it has to be legit because it has to withstand an audit. So you pay them up to $13,000. The money that, that goes to them is tax-free because they get a, their their uh, standard deduction, which is about $13,000. So they don't have to pay any tax besides payroll taxes, um, assuming you are not a sole proprietorship, um, which I'll come back to that in a second. But um, you have to pay payroll taxes, which is 15.3% um, because they that that's in plus state taxes, whatever that is. So outside of that, they wouldn't have to pay any tax bracket taxes, like, you know, cause they'd have that standard deduction there. So, so instead of paying your tax bracket, cause if, if you didn't pay them, you know, you would, you would that on that $13,000, that $13,000 would go on your tax return and you would pay, you know, whatever your effective rate is 30%, whatever it is. Um, but instead you're putting it over to them and they don't, they don't have any, uh, taxable income on the tax bracket side. So that is a, a strategy you could use um, if you want to take it a step further instead of hiring them. Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, most folks are going to be taxed as an S Corp. So as you know, if you're taxed as an S Corp, um, you have to pay payroll taxes. However, you could start another entity like a uh, kind of a, a family management business that's a sole proprietorship. And if you hire your kids in that business and then uh, that family management business provides services to your, your, your escort painting business or whatever it is, you know, um, the sole proprietorship doesn't have to pay payroll taxes to family members. So that's a way where you can get, get around having to pay the payroll taxes is basically start a family management business. That's a sole proprietorship that provides services to like office services or whatever it is to, um, your your painting business so you could structure something like that um so that that's that's one for sure that you could you could do uh kind of the basics of blocking and tackling like that i mentioned i alluded to was the s corp you know uh, election if if you're a if you're making over sixty thousand dollars in profit take a look at ele electing s corp status um it doesn't make sense in all cases for for all people, but it can, it does make sense for a lot of folks, um, making sure you're in the right and being taxed by the right type of uh, entity there. So S Corp thing would des definitely be like a basic tax strategy that can save you a lot, a lot of money. Um, yeah. And then I would say some, some of the other ones, there's starting retirement programs in your business that, that help you so there's different types of retirement programs that you could start that where you could if you're making a lot of money um or a good amount of money that you want to put away you can get tax deferrals on them and and then you know you won't have access to it but it, it grows tax-free and uh like a sep ira hmm. or a, a simple ira or maybe even a 401k depending on what type of entity you have and what's what level of business you're at um, and what your goals are kind of would depend, but starting some sort of retirement program could be another tax strategy. You just have to, the details matter for that one. Um, but yeah, th th those are a few 
but we could we could, there's there's so many out there it comes it depends on your your situation like what what do you have to work with um with you know do you have kids you know what what are you trying to accomplish um but you know uh i'm actually in nicaragua right now doing a tax strategy um uh you know we're basically using the the foreign earned income exclusion um so my earnings in the united states are excluded up to like 115,000 for each me and my spouse and so we're able to exclude a lot of our our uh our income because we're in a in a different country um where but in the country we're in doesn't um doesn't tax our earnings because they're a territorial tax country so there's there's definitely a lot of things you can do especially with real estate too um that's another one that a lot of folks are interested in that uh you can do different things to kind of lower that tax liability yeah that's awesome man appreciate you sharing some of those nuggets um to kind of wrap this this podcast up, which I mean, you know, I really appreciate your time here. Um, and maybe we could do a webinar for, for the community at some point, um, go in depth. Um, and I always like to ask um, for you. I'll be specific with the with with the finances side of things, but um, um, like the best and worst. So, what is the best advice you would give um, a painting company? you know, with your accounting, um, advice. And then what is the worst advice you've ever heard or misinformation that you've seen for accounting or bookkeeping for, for painters? Hmm. That's a good question. So I, I guess the, 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 to take the, the best advice, I'd say, just know your margins. So, cause if you know your margins, you know, your business. So just knowing, your basic thing. So we kind of, we, we talked about gross profit, you know, what should that be? What should that look like? And then also your discretionary earnings. What do you want to make out of the business? What should that look like? Um, so know, know those numbers, know your margins um, would be the, the, the first piece of advice, because if you can't get that down, you're not going to be able to grow. Um, you're not going to be able to, to hire a team to help you. It, it's, it's kind of, you're kind of dead in the water if you don't know your margins. Mm -hmm. So know um, your numbers. You've got to, yeah. if you're a home service business owner and you don't know your numbers, just, just a slight uh, plug in here, like what should they do? Like, you know, outside of reach out to you, um, you know, and, 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 and figure that out. Is there anything that they can do at all to kind of take up just a, like a simple first step? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of free resources out there to, to, to know what your margin should be. Um, I mean, a lot of the business coaches that in the industry, we, I also have a podcast, the profitable painter painter podcast would go through this, knowing all your, your different margins and stuff. So there's plenty of free information to know which, what you should, your gross profit, discretionary earnings, what all that should look like, how much should you pay a, a salesperson, uh, a production manager as a percentage of revenue, all that stuff. Um, is available and yeah so i that would be the first step is just is getting like that basic information um and then that wouldn't cost you anything maybe a little bit of time but that wouldn't cost you anything yeah um to answer your your second question which is the worst advice <laughs> that i've heard um that's a harder one because i i guess i don't dwell on that <laughs> well you know uh, like the, you know sometimes you see like and I'll see like, whether it's on TikTok, which I, which I don't go on TikTok, but uh, I've seen it. Um, and, and you see things, you're like, holy macaroni, like, why, are, why would you be telling somebody to do this, you know? Um, and you see like some of like the, uh, like the videos, you'll like have like the little face and they're like pointing at like, or they're like, or it's like a reaction video, right? Where you're like reacting to like this horrible advice. And yeah. Um, have you seen anything yeah. like that online where it just like makes you sick? Yeah, I, I would say there's a lot of, tax advice that you kind of have to be careful with um, because there's just a lot of details. And, and my tax director, he's, he's, he's the one that's watching TikTok. That's he's like, Hey, I saw this thing on TikTok where you can do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not, I, I don't watch uh, as much social media. I, I do a lot of it, but I'm not like, so um, 
following those things, but he's always <laughs> like telling me these crazy tax strategies that people are. Hey, well, that's a good TikTok. content idea, man. Is like to get those like things from him and then like do reaction videos to, to those. It blows. Yeah, that's good. It, that, it that's, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, so I would say just generally like with tax stuff, um, kind of making sure you do some due diligence to make sure that it works for you. Cause like I said, like every little thing with this, the, the tax code is so complicated. Um, make it, make sure you know what you're doing there or get someone that knows what they're doing to, to help advise you, uh, on what makes sense for you because it, it's, uh, the details matter for that stuff. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then if if people want to learn more about you um, or or anything like that, um, and for those of you that are on the replay, uh, I'm going to share my screen here. Obviously, we have the website, but can they reach out to you um, on Facebook, DM you? Um, I know you have a podcast. Where should people kind of start to kind of consume your content and, you know, get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can definitely check out the podcast, the profitable painter. There's a lot of good episodes on, on margins, like knowing your numbers, um, go to the website. If you'd like to, to, to have a free consultation to see what opportunities you have, you can click on schedule, schedule a consultation there. Um, and we're on all the social media, uh, you know, you can DM me. I think I'm friends with a lot of folks, uh, in the painting industry. So you might already be my friend. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can DM me or whatever way is easiest for you. Love that. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, usually it seems like people don't want to talk about finances until, uh, they're in dire straits. I'm not sure if you kind of see the same thing, right? It, it, it's, yeah. It's kind of like the person who has a cavity and they don't go to the dentist until that thing is just freaking hurting like like mm -hmm. a son of a gun. Um, don't do that with your finances. Like go meet with Daniel, his team, or go meet with somebody. You know what? You know, if you have a go, go get productive, get get on top of things, get proactive, um, and and plan, you know, plan for next year, you know. If you know, if you guys were not satisfied hundred percent with the business this year, whether it's your profit or cash flow or the gross margins, whatever it is, um, get proactive about it. Right. You know, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, uh, getting proactive, um, is, is, is probably the best thing you can do is, is, is getting some momentum and you can do that all by yourself. Um, and if you guys want to learn more about, um, uh, bookkeeping for painters, uh, bookkeeping for painters.com. Um, and you can find bookkeeping for painters on, 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 um, on Facebook and pretty much anywhere. Um, what is the podcast name is, um, again, the profitable painter, the profitable painter, go check that one out too. Um, you know, you know, like you said too, like in, you know, in the winter, things can die down a little bit. There's a little bit more time. Um, what a, what a great time to double down on things like this. So, uh, I encourage you guys to go check out what, what Daniel has going on and, uh, we'll see all of you guys next week for another episode. Uh, and again, Daniel, thank you so much for being on. Um, I appreciate it, man. Thanks Ryan. Glad to be here. All right. I'll see you guys later. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.